0: Welcome to the Revo podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. You ever asked yourself what happens to that pig? Like how many of you believe that he grew wings? Yeah, yeah, me neither. Uh, this, this series is called Miracles because that pig is going to need a miracle. Jesus is going to have to raise him back from the dead after he, uh, after he jumped off that cliff. What's up online audience? My name's Nathan. Thanks for crashing a party with us. If I haven't had a chance to meet you here in the room, I'm one of the pastors here and uh, we're going through the book of Luke and uh, this little subset of talks that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is entitled When Pigs Fly. We're looking at the miracles of Jesus in the Bible. And uh, I I wanna ask you something, man, this might disappoint you. You might uh, look down on me for this. You might think, how dare a pastor say that? Or you've never known a pastor to to say something like this. But knowing that it's just us in here, right? Judgment-free zone, us and whoever's on the internet. Let me ask you a question, real talk. You don't have to lie. You ever have doubts? You ever have doubts about faith? Do you ever read any of these stories in the Bible and you're like, really? Did that really happen? Like, just like that. Is this just like a good story that has a moral to it that, that Jesus just kind of, maybe they embellished a little bit, but, but we get the point. Is this like the real, inspired, true word of God? Or, or is this just a book of, of things that give you a lot of good life principles? I mean, it's really good, really helpful. You live your life by this, you're going to have a better life, but... God's word, like inspired, inspired word of God. Maybe, maybe your doubts sound like this. Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? I mean, come, or, or is it just because we live in America, right? Because statistics show that, that if you were born in India, then over 95% of you would be Hindus right now. You wouldn't be Christians. You wouldn't believe in Jesus. You'd have a totally different religious mindset. Do we believe what we believe just because we were born here? And is it possible that that everyone else believes what they believe just because they happen to be born in, in their particular place. And this is just what our faith looks like. Never ever have doubts? Maybe for you, uh, it's, it's about heaven and hell, right? I mean, eternity, and I, I get it, and, and, and heaven and hell, is, is it real? Like, Because I'm trying to believe God, but do we really believe that God would allow someone a God that loves so much would allow someone to spend eternity in hell apart from him? There's doubts ever, ever creep into your mind thinking, man, for real, like eternity. And God would allow that, allow people to spend an eternity away from him, that, that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Maybe you've wondered like this, is the Bible true when it talks about how much God loves me? that despite everything I've done, everything I've said, God knows every sin you have committed, every bad thought, every bad attitude, not just what you have done in the past, but what you're going to do today and what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And you mean to tell me God knows all of that about me. He knows the real me that nobody else knows and still loves me unconditionally, no strings attached, loves me so much. I think the average person has a lot of questions. It could start at the top. Did, did these miracles in the Bible actually happen? I mean, come on. It, is this how it happened? Word for word, this is how it un, unfolded? Or, or is this just kind of a souped up story? I mean, come on. Can you, do you, can you really believe some of this stuff that you read? For others of you, it might go to another level. All right, so God's done some miracles in the past, okay? But i I don't know if he still does them today. That was a Bible thing. That was an Old Testament and a New Testament thing. But but today, like you just that that, that was an old season, and, and now we have science and technology and medicine. And so we we we're a lot smarter and more enlightened. Now we don't we don't need miracles. God's not doing that anymore. Or maybe it goes to where you believe that miracles happen in the Bible, and you might even believe that miracles happen today. But where you struggle is I believe God can do it, but I just don't know if he's gonna do it for me. He can, and I believe miracles happen every day all around the world, but the struggle for me is I just don't know if God's gonna step into my situation and change my life at all. Maybe somebody else, but, but I, don't, I don't know about me. I don't know if any of that resonates with you or if you ever thought a pastor would say that, that They have doubts about things, but uh, it's actually the first thing I want to ask you to write down. If you're taking notes, jot this down. This is something that I hope will be freeing for you um, and, and welcome everybody into the room, everybody watching online into the same boat. Number one, everyone has doubts. You got to understand that. Every single person has doubts in their light about faith. If you've ever met someone that says, I'm, I've never struggled with doubting God, then that is a symbol that what they're struggling with is lying. <laughs> so, so you're a doubter and they're a liar. So welcome to the team. Everybody's a sinner. You can't tell me, have been following Jesus longer than five minutes. You've got some, some doubts. If you've ever struggled with those questions or with those doubts that might creep in, I want you to be encouraged um, because you are on the same team as Jesus' disciples. At the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. This is one of the last times that he speaks with his disciples and and he says something interesting in Matthew 28. And and I I wanna back up because before he says this, you gotta remember, Jesus has rolled with the disciples for three and a half years. They've seen Jesus perform miracles, raise people from the dead, feed 5,000. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him do some amazing things, the least of which not to mention is Jesus himself rose from the dead he allowed the disciples to put their hands where the nails pierced his palms. There's like, you know, cool magic trick, right? Sticking it in there, <laughs> goes right through. It's real. And they are standing, the disciples are standing face to face with the risen Jesus, resurrected Jesus. And in Matthew 28, this is what scripture said. When they, the disciples saw him, they worshiped him. Look at this. But some doubted. Huh? You are face to face with a man that told you he was gonna resurrect and he died and three days later he got out of the tomb and you are giving him high fives and he's talking to you and you can see him and you still doubt? Welcome to the team. The disciples, even after all they had seen, they, they doubted. I'm a pastor, man, and there's some stuff that I read in this book that make me say, huh, now that is interesting. Let's just start at the beginning. There was a man and a woman that were naked talking to a snake. I don't know when the last time you found yourself in that situation, but I've never found myself in that situation. For real. And then there was a guy that that prayed one time, and the Bible says that the sun stood still. It was in the top of the sky, like 12 o'clock for the whole day. And a man prayed, and, and the sun didn't set. There was another man that prayed in the Old Testament and for years it did not rain. For real? How about Jonah got swallowed by a whale? Is that real? Are we talking about whale or is this an analogy for something? Like, is there a story behind the story? Did a, did a man really get swallowed by a whale and then the whale spit him up on the beach and all of a sudden now he's, he's trying to follow God? If, if you have ever struggled with doubt, I want you to find some encouragement because the more I read the Bible, the more I realize it's filled with doubters. People that scratched their head and said, did that really happen? I mean, I even know what I'm seeing right now, but is this this real? And the story that I wanna talk about today is is found in Luke chapter nine. If you have your Bible, it's a a miracle. And I I don't even know how this miracle series has hit you. Like, are these real? Are these made up? I just don't know what to think when when we see these miraculous things happen. I don't know if you're naturally a skeptic or not, but a lot of people tend to have some doubts. And the story that I want to look at today is anything that's found in the Bible is important. But when you see stories that, that happen multiple times in the Bible, like that's a red light blinking, like pay attention to this. This particular story is found in three different books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now the book of Luke was written last, and so Luke's story is the shortest, it's the most condensed, because I think Luke knew that the the other two authors had already written the stories, and so he gives us kind of the 30,000 foot view. So here's what I want to do. I want to take this same story out of Luke, and I want to look at it from all three different books, because I think it tells us a lot about the relationship between faith and doubt, and what happens, and how God responds, even when we realize there are some things that we're just not quite sure of. In, in Luke chapter nine, verse 37, here's how the story unfolds. The next day, when, when they, Jesus and the disciples came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. And there was a man in the crowd that called out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions, so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it is destroying him. Verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. This father finds himself in the midst of an impossible situation. But as we talked about last week, uh, desperation often leads to dependence. This man's desperate. I mean, look at the details that we see. At, at, at this point, the only person that he can rely on is Jesus. He's tried everything else. I imagine this dad, as the way the Bible describes it, is guys probably afraid to go to work every day. We don't know anything about his wife, anything about his, his past. All we know is a father and a son. And, and at any point, I can imagine this dad goes to work and and kind of runs home because he doesn't know what he's gonna find when he opens up the door. He might walk in one day and find his son's lifeless body laying in the floor. And what kind of fear that would instill in his heart. Uh, the scriptures tell us that at any moment, he can throw, get thrown into a fit and foaming at the mouth. And look, I get, I get nervous when I take my youngest daughter out to a nice restaurant because at any moment, she can throw herself into a fit and start foaming at the mouth and embarrassing me. I'm like, please, God, come over her right now. This man lived like this 24 7. He could not go a single place where the thought and the notion in his mind is at any moment my son could essentially go into a seizure and not be able to control his mouth or his body. And that could happen in public, in private. It could it can happen. I, I imagine this dad having to sleep with his son every night because some of the other uh, versions of this story in Matthew and Mark tell us that he was also mute. So can you imagine your, 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 your kid having a medical situation and they can't even call out for your help? And they could be choking or, or dying and you're asleep in the other room Man, this must have dominated his life. He must have been thinking about it all the time. 24-7, 365, this dad is on high alert, constantly looking out, seeing the very worst happen to his son, and yet there's nothing he can do about it. Well, you talk about a helpless situation as a parent to know that your kid is struggling and there's nothing you can do. You just sit and watch. That's where this dad is, tired, scared, frustrated, heartbroken, probably doubting that anything in his life will ever get better and ever change. In, in Mark, we see a question that Jesus asks this son and this dad when they approach him. They bring the boy to Jesus and the disciples couldn't, couldn't heal him. And so they brought him to Jesus. And, and Mark twenty nine twenty one says this, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Uh, From childhood, he answered. Now this strikes me as odd. Um, this man has come to Jesus and his son is, obviously has a medical condition that is urgent at any moment, can, can throw him into a fit. And uh, Jesus is all of a sudden wanting some medical questions answered. <laughs> like, can you imagine if you, if you like, got an injury on your arm, maybe it was an, an accident, your arm is, is bleeding bad and it, it needs some attention. And if you walked into the emergency room and, and it's obvious, like you need some attention, you need it, and, and the doctor comes up to you and says, "Huh." Uh, when, now, now, when did you notice that your arm was bleeding? I don't know. As soon as I cut it, I guess. (laughs) Have you ever cut your arm before, sir? Not like this. (laughs) I just, like, this needs some attention. Like, we don't, we don't have time to ask questions. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, making me fill out the questionnaire. Like, this is an Emergency. And so initially you can think, well, why is Jesus asking those questions? Well, you gotta remember, um, Jesus never asked a question that he didn't already know the answer to. And so Jesus was asking the question, not for his benefit, but for the benefit of, of the father. And I think the reason is, is this, number two, it's, it's true in my life, it's probably true in yours, but number two, doubts grow over time. Ever notice that? The longer you are in a valley, the more doubt creeps into your mind that nothing's ever gonna change the longer you ride the struggle bus in some area of your life, the more doubt begins to say, this is just who you are. This is just your life. This is how it's always been and this is how it's always be. Jesus looked at the father and said, how long have you two been going through this? And the dad said, ever since he was a kid. And scholars tell us that that they believe this boy would have been around 12 years old at the time. Can you imagine that? 12 years, morning, noon, and night, dealing with with what he had to deal with. All of this in life. Man, sometimes our faith erodes over time. Like when something happens, we're believing God, and we're like, yes, he's gonna do it. Yes, he can make a way. I'm trusting, I'm believing. And then after a month, nothing's changed. In six months, nothing's changed. A year later, nothing's changed. In fact, it seems to be getting worse. And over time, our doubt begins to to grow. The longer this dad sees his son like this, the harder it is for him to see their life changing at all. Mark gives us some more details. Man, think about this. Think about the situation this dad lives in. In Mark 9, it says, this spirit that's taken over my son, it, it often tries to throw him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do it, can you imagine that? Like I get, like when you're two years old and you're walking by the pool, you gotta hold your kid's hand because they don't know how to swim yet. Or, or when you got a fire pit outside, you have to constantly tell your baby, hey, uh-uh, hot, hot. And like your goal at the marshmallow roast is just for your, your kids not to fall into the fire or to grab the flame thinking it's, it's just bright, shiny color. This is what this guy has lived life everywhere he goes for 12 years thinking at any moment, like I can't even walk beside a fire or water and thinking that my son will fall into it and drown. This kid would have been covered with burns and scars. And this is what they brought to Jesus. And, And this is what he says. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Here's what Jesus said. If you can Said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. You know who you're talking to? <laughs> I think sometimes we bring our problems to God and, and we forget who we're talking to. And we're like, you know, God, if you have time. <laughs> well, God operates outside of time. What do you mean, time? Well, God, if you can, if you can, I'm the creator of the world. I can do anything I want to. If you'd be able, if if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible. For one who believes immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my belief. Yo, that's big. That, that word right there has been resonating in my mind all week. I believe this dad looks at Jesus and said, I believe, look, man, I, I brought my son to you. That's how much I believe. I know you can, help. I believe, but then it gets real vulnerable. And he says, but I going to be real with you, Jesus. I believe, but I got some doubts and I need for you to help me. I believe, but there's some holes and I'm just being real with you, man. This, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe I have faith, but I have doubts. I know you've done it in the past, God, but I'm, I don't know, man. He's been like this since childhood. I just don't know if you can do it here or if you're going to or if you'd be even willing to do it here. And if you're real honest, that's where the majority of us are. Oh, I believe, but God, there's some things that I'm struggling with still. There's some things that I read or there's some things that I do or there's some things that I feel like you're saying and man, like God, help me, help me. I believe but help my unbelief. I believe, but man, I'm looking at my son, God, and it looks like an impossible situation that he's in right now. I need some help. And that's the beautiful tension of the Christian life where faith and doubt can coexist and God isn't offended by it at all. Where we can say, God, I believe what your word says. I believe who you are. I believe it but I'm struggling right now. And there's some things I need some help on. And I trust you, but I got some doubts. And that's the attitude, man. That needs to be our response every day. Hey, God, I'm gonna get up today and I believe you. I'm putting my faith in you, but I gotta be honest, man. You gotta help me today. There's some things I'm struggling with. There's some things on my mind. There's some things weighing on my heart and the doubt is growing over time. And I wanna believe, but you gotta help me. I love that, the approach of that dad. He's desperate. I believe, I have faith in you, Jesus, but help my unbelief. Where faith and doubt can coexist, where you can believe, but every single day you're asking God to help you fill in the gaps of your faith where it seems to fall short. Luke 9 Jesus then turns to the disciples in the crowd. He says, you you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? He looks at the father and said, bring your son here. Bring your son to me. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. Powerful. Everybody's celebrating. And it's a good reminder for me this week. Last thing I want you to jot down. Even when we doubt, God still shows up. If you thought that your doubts disqualified you from having a relationship with God, you haven't read this book. You haven't read about the countless people in the Bible that had doubts, but yet God still moved in a powerful way. I don't think this story was about the boy. I don't think this story was even about the miracle. I think this story is about the dad. This dad was willing to admit three positive aspects of his statement to Jesus. Uh, Number one, he admitted that he had a need. Jesus, I'm, I'm bringing you my son. I've got a need. Number two, he brought that need to the right person. And number three, he asked for the help that he needed. Isn't it funny how we're the opposite of that in our culture? We want to pretend uh, like we have no needs. Oh, no, I'm good. Good life. Good family, good marriage, good finances. Good, like we want to present this facade in our lives that everything is good, even though behind the scenes it's falling apart because having a need makes us look bad. It makes us look like we were bad planners or we're bad parents or we're, we're bad people. And so when he brought his need and admitted that he had a need, we like to say we don't have any needs. And then when we do have a need, it's amazing who we bring it to, right? This man brought it to Jesus. We wanna bring it to ourselves, I'll fix it. We wanna bring it to our family, to our, to our parents, to our friends and say, hey, you gotta help me walk through this, you gotta help me fix this situation, but you can bring a need to the wrong person and the need never goes away. This man brought the need to Jesus and then finally he asked for help. You know what we hate to do? Ask for help. <laughs> we don't wanna inconvenience anybody. We don't want to admit that we can't do it on our own. Asking for help is like the worst thing that we can do. But this man, just in humility, where his faith and doubt were intermingled, said, God, I got a need. And you're the only one that can fix it. I need your help. When doubt creeps in, God, I got a need. You're the only one that can fix it. I need your help that's what this man did. And scripture tells us that his doubts, he obviously had doubts. He looked at Jesus and said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Like I got faith, Jesus, but I also got doubts. And you know what Jesus did immediately after he said that? healed the boy. Because your doubts do not disqualify you from what God wants to do in your life. Everybody has doubts. Doubts grow in our minds over time, but they do not disqualify or somehow hinder God. This man cries out to help for his son, realizing um, that, that, that his son has a need, and then Jesus flips it. I like how Jesus does this. Jesus will often take your difficult situation and flip it and teach you something out of it. And what he wanted to teach this man was, yep, your son has a problem, but you have a need as well. And I'm gonna help your son, but not before I teach you what I wanna teach you. See, this man had a spiritual need, Needed a savior, just like we all do. He had a gap in his life. And Jesus said, yep, I can make your life easier right now. But here's the deal. The Bible says that your life and my life here on earth, James 4, 14, is like a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. And Jesus' approach was, why would I work so hard at making your day better here today and gone tomorrow and leave out the fact that you will spend an eternity somewhere? See, I I don't want to make your life easier without understanding that there's more to your life than what you see right now. That there's an eternity that is waiting for every one of us. And so this is how Jesus got this man's attention. Sometimes, man, you may not like this, but sometimes God uses difficult circumstances in your life to draw you to him. This man got desperate. Jesus, you're the only thing I have. And come to find out, Jesus was the only thing he needed but it took that difficulty to actually get him to admit that he had a problem, admit that he had, that Jesus could only solve it and ask for his help. And Jesus is like, yep, I'll help him and I'll help you. Because you don't even realize it, but you have a problem that is bigger than your son's. Like a vapor, like a mist is our time here on earth, but every one of us are going to spend eternity somewhere. And sometimes, despite our belief, despite our faith, God will use suffering and hardships to draw us closer to, to him. And that's what God does here. We tend to, to see the, the the thing that's in front of us right now is the biggest thing whatever you're facing today, whatever hardship, whatever stage of parenting you're in, whatever stage of your job or finances, like we are just completely overwhelmed with, all right, so this is the biggest thing that I have going on in my life. But in God's infinite wisdom, he says, man, you got a bigger issue than that. Where will you spend eternity? Because one day you're gonna look back and realize that your life here on earth was quick and you spent so much time trying to fix these problems and never address the biggest problem that any of us will ever face how do we get a relationship with God? That's what Jesus taught the man. For sure, it hurt the disciples' feelings um, when that man called him out in front of everybody, right? He's like, uh, Jesus, I tried to bring my son to your disciples, but uh, they couldn't do it. And I can imagine the disciples at that moment, they were like, like taking a step back, like blending into the bushes. And so in Matthew, the disciples come back around and asked Jesus. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. (laughs) I love that. They didn't want to get called out in public. (laughs) They're like, man, I don't feel like Jesus busting my chops in front of all these people. So I'm gonna ask him why we couldn't do it, but I'm not gonna ask him now. I'm gonna wait. So they get Jesus in this room privately. They shut the door. They're like, hey man, I wanted to ask you, you know about that miracle earlier when that dude called us out and said, we couldn't do it. Why couldn't we do it? Um, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your little faith, Mark gives us another another word and adds it, Jesus replied, This kind can only come out by, by prayer. You know why Jesus was frustrated at the disciples? Here's the reality. He looked at his disciples and said, Why didn't you come to me? Man, you guys are trying to heal everything on your own. You guys are trying to take your problems and do it on your own, your situations and take it on your own. Why didn't you just come to me? why why didn't you bring him did you see what happened when they brought the son to jesus but that's us right we want to fix our problems without god god i got it don't worry i don't need to pray like i i don't need to seek your word i don't need to know your opinion god like i'm gonna do it myself i'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps i'm gonna work hard i'm gonna grind and, and i am gonna make it happen and when Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer, he was talking about an intimacy and a relationship with God. In prayer, we come to God with our needs. He looks at the disciples and said, why didn't you come to me? I could have helped you. I could have done it. Why, why, why didn't you come to me? And then we're just like the disciples. We try to do it without God. And when it doesn't work, we look up at God and like, why isn't it working? What's wrong? Why am I still struggling? Why is this not fixed yet? And, and I don't believe Jesus was like shaking his finger at him. He was like, you perverse generation, what are you? I think he was looking at him, he's like, why are you trying to do it without me? You know, if you just come to me, I'll do it for you. You know, if you just bring the boy, bring the problems, bring the hardship, bring the struggle, bring that to me and I'll fix it. I'll give you what you need. That's the promise. And Jesus is looking at the guys that have been following him for years. It was like, guys, you know that the power comes from God. It doesn't come from you. You know, the answers come from God. It doesn't come from you. Some things that you're struggling with right now will only be fixed through prayer. It's God intervening in your situation. So they brought the boy to Jesus. They brought their troubles to Jesus, their heartbreak, their disappointment, their struggle, everything they, they brought to Jesus. They gathered up what they had left after trying for a long time to fix it themselves. And they finally admitted I have a need, and Jesus is the only one that can fix it. God, I need your help. I believe, but God, help, help my unbelief. That word, that phrase, that sentence is so challenging to me, because I'm a fixer. I want, I want things done, I want them done right, I want them done the first time, I want them done quickly and efficiently, I want them done with the path of least resistance. But unfortunately, that is not the way that God works sometimes. It's kind of like when I help my daughters with homework, um, they'll, they'll ask me, like especially my youngest daughter, I'll say, hey, number two is wrong. And my youngest daughter will just look at me and say, well, tell me to answer. I say, well, and actually, well, I gotta show you how to divide because and, and, you need to know how to do it. She's like, no, I don't wanna learn how to divide. Just tell me to answer. And sometimes we look at God and we're like, tell me the answer. And God's like, yeah, but I wanna teach you something about how to navigate life. I wanna teach you something about you. And I wanna teach you something about me that's gonna help you along your faith journey. And we're like, God, I just want the answer. Just change it, just change it, just move. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And this will be over, let's move on. And in my experience, that is not how God works. In this man's experience, it was not how God worked because God did not send Jesus to the earth to be the handyman of your life and fix all of your problems. God sent Jesus to the earth to draw you closer to God so that you can understand how to reconcile that relationship, how Jesus reconciled that relationship. I believe, but, but help my unbelief. Br- bring him to me. I love when Jesus said that. Bring him to me. Jesus looks at our broken lives, he looks at our chaos, he looks at everything that's falling apart, every part of it, and he says, Hey, bring it to me. Bring it to me. I know you got doubts but just make the decision right now, you're gonna bring that, bring that to me. That's your only hope. That's your, that's your only option. This can only be solved by prayer. Outside of God, we have no authority. We have no power. You can change nothing about your life outside of him. And Jesus says, some things can only be done as a result of that. Now I can tell you this. If you turn to Jesus, he will always do what is the best for you and what will bring the most glory to God. Will you always like it? I can't promise you that. Will it always be on your timing? In my experience, that has not been true. Will it always be the easiest, fastest, most efficient way? Not always. But, I know that God is perfect in his knowledge and in his ways, and I am just a simple-minded sinner. And there are times where I just have to look up at God and have faith, put my faith in you. God, I believe, but you're gonna have to help me and I need you. And when the father did that, God stepped down and changed his life. Now, I wanna clarify something. Because what we don't learn from these miracles is there's something that you can do or say that's going to force the hand of God and you can get what you want. God is not a genie in a bottle. Uh, God is not a magician that's come here to do some tricks and fix everything about your life. I'm reminded of a story. There's, there's There's an instance, man, where we can pray and believe and bring to Jesus and do all of the right things and we still not get the answer that we desired. In the book of Daniel, you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? These guys are in trouble because they're worshiping the one true God and and King Nebuchadnezzar is gonna throw them in the fiery furnace like immediate death sentence and he gives them an opportunity to renounce their faith. All you got, hey boys, all you gotta do is say you trust me and you worship me instead of of worshiping God. Bad situation that some godly men were in. And in Daniel chapter three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us Fear your majesty's hand. Maybe that's where you are. You're like, I am believing that God can move a miracle in my life. I'm believing. I know you can, God. I'm trusting and I'm bringing you my faith and I'm bringing you my doubt. And look at what these men said next. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I believe that God can change everything about my life. But if I am not healed, the miracle does not happen. The prayer is not answered in my timing the way I want it. Here's the deal, yo. I am not turning my back on God. I will not leave. I will not degrade him. I will not make that change the way I think about God. How God acts in my life does not determine his character. And these men had a moment where they said, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, meet me in the moment of faith and doubt. God has met me in that moment so many times and has never penalized me for having questions and has never failed to move or act in a supernatural way. Sometimes I like the answer, sometimes I don't. But every morning I get up and say, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, help me fill in some gaps. God, I got some questions still. I love you. I'm following you, God. You got all I got, but will you help me? Will you help me believe? Will you help me know what to do? Will you help me with some answers? Will you open up a door? And if you don't, will you teach me how to be faithful as I wait on the door? I believe, but help my unbelief. I wanna challenge you to wake up every morning and pray that prayer. And understand that doubt is real. It grows the longer it's in your mind, but it does not disqualify you from seeing God do something incredible in your life. Let's pray together. God, we believe. We're making a declaration about who you are and what you've promised in your word. God, we believe, but there are still prayers that we have. There are still things that we're believing for. God, there's still things that we're waiting on. It seems like it's not getting better anytime soon. And the longer we're there, God, the doubt grows. And we start to think, well, maybe God doesn't care and maybe he's not gonna do anything and maybe he can, but maybe he's just not gonna do it for me. And God, in those moments where doubt creeps in and we begin to think that you are not good and you are not in control and all of this is your fault, help us to say that simple prayer that this father said to Jesus 2,000 years ago, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I know you will meet us there right now as people voice that simple prayer. God, we are trusting and believing God, help us. We believe, but help us when we have doubts. Draw us closer to to you right now. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at